It takes two. Amy Eiler, JJ Gordon here, and in the studio, Trust Talk with Brandon Erickson from O'Keefe O'Brien Leasing Attorneys in downtown Fargo. Brandon, welcome back to KFGO. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, first and foremost, uh, we've got something to JJ's tell. JJ's not going to let this go. Right. No. Well, the listening audience gets to know you over the years, right? Yep. So they text in questions to 35270. You've talked to them on the phone. Some of them even come into your office and have yep. engaged your services. Let's tell them about uh, some recent news over at, over at O'Keefe O'Brien Leasing Attorneys. Um, yeah, so big news. This is the uh, first place you're hearing it. The marketing team hasn't got it out in the, on, the, on the press yet. A so. KFGO exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have like a little bell or something that dings? Or I, something? I probably could find one. Oh, that's okay. Da, 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 that's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I got named a partner uh, this year with the firm um, with uh, Tim, Tracy, Tatum, and Sarah Munson over there. Um, so it was a big, exciting uh, last few weeks for me and, and super excited to be part of the team. I love I love the firm that I'm at. I love working there. It's a really good firm. And yeah, I've uh, been on cloud, mi- ni- cloud nine for the last few weeks. That's well, awesome. Congratulations. That is no small feat. And clearly they like what you're doing and they want you to do it on a bigger scale for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been, you know, it's been really good, been a really good fit with the firm. Uh, you know, I moved back from California, March of 2020, just randomly at the beginning of COVID. And um, I saw they had an ad and I remember interviewing with uh, them uh, from a parking lot because I couldn't come into the office. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the oh first gosh. one was a phone interview and I was, you know, the kids were at home and I couldn't find anywhere quiet. So I drove to a parking lot and, and just sat in my car and did the interview over the phone and um, yeah, it's it's been really really good ever since then. They got a good support staff. I really love the coworkers, uh, Savannah, uh, my assistant that does estate planning, and Darcy for my paralegal for uh, uh, the probate stuff. Or I think we have a really good team over there. Uh, we've been expanding and growing. It's been really good. So. Well, congratulations! That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very See, much. See, I, I knew we picked the right guy for this segment, right? Like <laughs> yeah. this is where it's at. Yep. Okay, so let's get into the uh, world of what happens after you die. So yep. we talk a lot about estate planning. Uh, people can ask questions. If they you have a question, 35270, you can text in. You can also call our Laney studio line at 701-237-5948. But let's talk about debt, the mm-hmm. the the dead person's debt, I guess, is yeah. the only way I can think to phrase it. Yeah, and, and I'll just preface a little bit, too. You know, when we call it trust talk and estate planning and a big part of my practice is planning for things, you know, when you pass away and getting affairs in order. But, you know, a lot of calls, 50% of my calls are, you know, probates, hey, mom or dad or, you know, son or somebody passed away, what do I do? And a lot of questions, and I, I get a lot of people that kind of assume, oh, no, do I have to pay off their debt or am I going to be responsible for their debt? Am I going to be responsible for my mom's or dad's or even my spouse's debt if they had their own separate debt, maybe with a business and the simplest answer is no. Obviously, there's caveats to that, but you are not responsible for someone else's debt. Just like if you're married and your spouse opens up an account just in their name, you're not responsible for that debt. That is that spouse's re- responsibility. If it's joint, that's a different story, right? So, Now, would you say it's that estate's responsibility then? Yep, exactly. So, so, so when somebody passes away, we get the estate of JJ, you know, that that is kind of takes on its own entity. It gets its own, instead of your social security number, we get a new tax ID number from the IRS to identify your estate because your social security number has stopped being useful. Um, but yeah, those debts still need to be paid. And so sometimes people feel like, oh, I had to pay off, you know, mom or dad's debt or the farm, you know, whatever debt, because it came out of the estate money, which eventually was coming to them as an inheritance. So it kind of feels like they had to pay it off. But in re- in in all reality, it is just that estate's uh, responsibility. So let's give an example. So uh, your your mother passes away. She owns her home. 
but she is paying off a vehicle that she purchased a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So the loan that's left on that vehicle would be debt. Yep. And so we're talking about selling off the house, and a portion of that would go to pay off this vehicle if you decide to keep, keep it. it. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, so that's that's secured debt. There's something physical that that is securing that debt on that on the title on that on that vehicle. So yeah, one option is we use cash from the sale of the home or other proceeds of pay off the home. Maybe the kid really likes the car, has sentimental value, whatever it may be. Uh, worst case scenario, you just sell the home, just like or sell excuse me, sell the car, just like you do any place. Pay off the loan, get the free and clear title, and then you keep the proceeds. But the proceeds need to go to the estate, and maybe there's unsecured debt such as credit cards, personal loans, things like that. And if we know about those, we need to take care of those well too. And that I think the math works out really easy if I'm the sole inheritor from right. this estate. But let's say you've got. Let's say you've got two kids. Let's say there's a charitable contribution that actually precedes like any other money before it goes down to kids. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about no. some real, you're talking about being in a bucket of honey, man. It's sticky. Yeah, you know, and I, I just did a little training on this, kind of why I brought it up today, is um, real estate, secured real property debt in the U.S. is over $12 trillion. Whoa. Yeah, it was with a T, trillion. Oh, my God. Um, you know, they talked about how credit card debt and stuff has, has gone into the trillions. Real estate debt, I mean, just people, homes just get more and more expensive. We can see it here in Fargo. I mean, starting homes are $300,000, which is unheard of from a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, the those, those secured things need to be taken care of. And the problem becomes now, you know, 70% of real estate has mortgages on it. What if we're giving it to five kids, three kids, maybe one of them's not going to qualify to refinance that mortgage, take over, can't afford the payments, whatever it may be, it may be really hard to pass that property on to those kids. Okay, let me talk about two different types of debt uh, that people might accrue. Number one, um, let's say you did have a young person who passed away and they've got $40,000 worth of school debt. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know that this person doesn't have $40,000 to their name already. I mean, they were a student mm-hmm. at the time. What happens if the debt is greater than what the estate could be valued at? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, I thought I sorry. asked a question. I was like, oh, lean in. Got Let's a good excited. one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, I just swallowed a hairball or something there. <laughs> um, yeah, so that um, those debts, when they outweigh the, the balance of the estate, the estate is declared insolvent. And we got a couple of those pending right now in courts in North Dakota where there's just not enough money to pay off the debts. You know, the state of North Dakota has made a claim for Medicaid. Um, There's judgments against the estate from lawsuits. There's, you know, simple things like utility bills that weren't being paid when the person passed away. So we have to go to a court and I have to have a judge declare the estate insolvent and say, sorry, creditors, but you're you're not going to get paid for this one estate. And that's basically why we have interest rates to make up for people that can't pay their bills on those types of things. Interest. Okay, so this next text that's in uh, at three five two seven zero ties into my next one, which is medical bills, because that's mm-hmm. most likely the last big bill yep. you're gonna have. So let's say, uh, you know, Grandpa uh, was in the combine and had a heart attack and had to be in the hospital for a month. I mean, those bills can add up pretty quick. This person says, "Okay, so my mom passed away and basically had no assets." I took money from my 401k to pay her medical bills. Was I correct in doing that? Um, if you never signed on to be, I mean, that, that's one thing I need to look at what the agreements are for sure. They say yes or no, black and white. But unless you signed on to be a guarantor of those medical bills or a co-signer or something where you said you were personally responsible for your mom's medical bills, 
I, I would have to say the black and white answer is no, uh, because that was your mom's estate. And there are routinely when I uh, declare a state insolvent, there's medical bills that get wiped out. The law has priority. Uh, the first priority is attorney fees, cost administration, make sure the estate gets done. The next is funeral expenses. And then we kind of go down the line and then unsecured creditors like this, like medical bills, credit cards, things like that are commonly way farther down the line as far as getting paid. So, um, you know, if somebody, and I know it's sometimes, uh, you know, creditors, I don't know what motivation sometimes make it feel like it's your responsibility, but in all reality, it's not your responsibility. You, you were not personally responsible for that debt, no more than I'm responsible for your debt. So can she do anything to get that back at this point? Um, I would say come see me, uh, and chat about it. I mean, I, I need to know more and kind of look at what happened mm-hmm. to the facts of it. But, yeah, I would definitely come chat with me or give me a call, and we can talk about it. So, um, Another person said, who has a right to view someone's will? Um, interested persons is what the law says. And so an interested person is somebody who has some interest in the state. So somebody who's a beneficiary, a right to it. You know, if a probate is open, it's public document. So it's going to be filed with a probate. So you can always go into the court file and look at it or go to the courthouse and look at it. But um, typically, you know, and that's why trusts are kind of nice. We don't have to show the trust. If you disinherit a child or somebody, I don't have to show you that trust because you're not an interested party. So uh, that's typically the legal definition of what an interested person is. Oh, this person texted back who had used her 401k. She said the hospital made me sign on. I had no choice as guaranteed. So she probably did sign something that she. Yeah, that might have been some. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. something we had to look at the facts. So maybe the mom didn't have health insurance or something wasn't going to be covered. So in order to provide services, they wanted a guarantee on the account. So that, that's something. It's, it's definitely a fact by fact basis for these things. Right. Uh, and, you know, we've talked a lot about establishing that trust. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about I trust you. I'm talking about the document itself of what is going to happen uh, when I die. And. It is, I mean, it's imperative that you at least have those conversations, you know, going in and getting it done and having to update it later. That's that those are small potatoes when it comes to the peace of mind you can get in a situation like this, because this person says, you know, basically had no assets. But I I think sometimes we think, oh, yeah, she didn't have a million dollar life plan or she didn't have one hundred thousand dollars in the bank. But in all honesty, there there could be something that has value. You know, if you took everything that was in my home and sold it. Even at auction, there's some kind of a value there. Oh, definitely value. And I think one of the best things for people is the priceless things on there. You know, my, I bring up all the time my grandfather's railroad watch. Uh, you know, I have the dress my grandmother wore at my wedding, you know, stuff like that. That's, in, you know, things I can remember them by. Those are priceless. You couldn't put a value on those. But certainly, yeah, I mean, there's the uh, all the rest of the stuff, the furniture, TVs, all that stuff adds up, something you can pass down, specific items, stuff like that you can give to people for sure. So, And I, I think, too, you know, we take for granted just walking through. You know, you, you hear that here from insurance companies where they're like, walk through your house with your phone with the video on and <laughs> yeah. open every drawer just so that you can get an idea of what's there. Certainly you are, you know, a wedding ring, yeah. right? But you might not know the value of that wedding ring. If it's something that's been handed down multiple generations, yeah. Going in and just getting an appraisal on that can be a good idea in some cases. Although I do feel like at that point, if you get an appraisal on it, then all of a sudden, if you are insolvent, yeah. they're really going to come looking for where's that right? wedding ring? Where's, where's that? Yeah, where's that jewelry? You know, and that's a lot of times too, is we overvalue what that jewelry's worth too. Um, you know, ask anybody who's been divorced how much a, a diamond ring is worth. Right. <laughs> it's not nearly as much as you think <laughs> the second time around. Um, but, anyways, um, so. 
yeah, it, yeah, this is definitely something that you should get listed out at least. You know, firearms is a big one too. People, you know, got a lot of firearms they pass down. They want to make sure in hand. And if you, you know, you got multiple thirty odd sixes or something you want to hand down or two seventies, you know, maybe we, maybe we want to find the serial number or identify them correctly. You know, another question I would have is, okay, so compound debt. Mm-hmm. So let's say someone dies and they do have credit card debt. Well. It's very hard unless you've got a life insurance policy that's going to pay out right away, and there's yeah. a, a reason that you should pay off this credit card immediately. You could, you know, four or five months can go by, and all of a sudden that interest can really jack up and can add a lot more to the top of that. And so, what do you recommend for people who say, "Gosh, you know, I know that there is going to be some debt. What are the best things that we can do so that we're prepared right away, so that we don't accrue more debt?" Yeah, well, that's one thing. I mean, when when we start a probate is. We want to find all those creditors. You know, North Dakota's got a 90-day window. Minnesota's got a little bit longer of a window where we really need to go and find out and find those creditors and notify them that the person has passed away. So, one, the accounts get locked. So, no more charges like recurring payments, stuff like that happens. We want those things to stop. And that's kind of the prudent administration that we need to work with and that, that we, you know, when you hire us and Darcy, my paralegal that works the probates, is we make sure and get these creditors lined up. And then we, we get a, an initial inventory to say, hey, how much money is going to be here? Maybe we should pay off some of these things right away. You know, funeral costs is one thing, right? We, we That's probably one of the first things that really should get paid right away. Um, you know, unsecured debt like the credit cards, uh, we need to kind of look. Maybe there's not going to be enough money to pay the other bills, so we want to let that one go because the state's going to be insolvent, and they're so low on the priority list. Hence the 27% interest on credit cards. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't get paid off, so that's why they're so high. Uh, they're much harder to, to uh, get repaid. What about day one? So uh, let's say you go in and uh, grandma's passed away. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend canceling a credit card right away just to make sure that, the, you know, let's say she's got Disney Plus, right? And so you're not adding up those charges for things that aren't being used. Uh, um, you know, monthly reoccurring charges that you would see on there that are legit through an actual yeah. vendor, but you could, you know, you might not know necessarily. Yeah, it's commonly my recommendation for those types of kind of what I wouldn't, you know, maybe frivolous isn't the right word, but the charges that aren't necessary anymore for that person, shut those off, cancel those, you know, dispute those, inform the person has passed away. Stuff like, you know, the heat utilities here in North Dakota, super important. We keep the heat on in that house in the middle of winter so pipes don't freeze you know, maintenance, stuff like that. We need to make sure the estate gets maintained so utilities are important. They keep getting paid. And, you know, that's one thing. If things aren't lined up now, you know, your child or somebody might be forking money out of their own pocket because the accounts get locked and we've got a, you know, a gap period before we can get money in a state account set up. Right. Yeah. I remember we paid a bill for my mom. It was, she was from the cable company and they're like, <laughs> you haven't paid us in four months. And I was like, well, no one's watching or using <laughs> yeah, the internet. Right, like yeah. we don't need it anymore. Yeah, shut it off. We don't, we're not going to pay the, the reconnect fee. And they're like, great. We're, we won't have any more from get go, but yeah. you're going to owe us for the last four months. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, okay. We weren't planning on that. Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, we could, we could say is no, we're not going to pay you and dispute that credit claim. If there's not enough money, if it's a valid claim, then we should honor it. That's what law says you should do too. So. Well, they asked me if what my service was at my house at the end of that phone call. So I think they were just trying to get some money, period. Uh, Brandon Erickson, now a partner at O'Keefe O'Brien Leeson Attorneys. Uh, This has been Trust Talk. If you missed any of this, you need to re-listen to it again. It'll be podcast at kfjo.com. If you want to get a hold of Brandon, how can they get a hold of you over at at the office? Uh, Our direct line is 701-235-8000. Just give us a call. You're uh, routed to my uh, department there. Uh, you can talk to Darius or Savannah, get on my schedule, or go to O'Keefeattorneys.com. 
go to my profile. There's an estate planning link and put in your information and we'll reach out to you as soon as we can on there. So Ooh, we got a we got a quick question and sure. they snuck in at the last second Uh-oh. here. For a forty two year old with a good amount of farmland, would a trust be best or a will? Trust, 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 yeah. trust, trust. Yeah, trust. yeah. Just I, do it. Yeah, come in Just and see me and I'll I'll talk about all the trusts and set that up and protect that farmland for your family. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.